Welcome to Your Music Saved Us, where two friends blast ourselves into the past to relive and recontextualize the alternative Christian music we grew up listening to in the 1990s. Except, not again this week. We're doing this a lot, I guess. This week we are just talking to each other. So Jay and I are in the same place for the first time in... Eight years. There you go. Eight years. Jeez. <laughs> it's a long time. It is a really long yeah. time. <laughs> Jay, this was your idea. You want to explain what you were thinking? Well, I just thought since it was the first time we've hung out in the flesh in eight years, it might be fun to ask each other a few questions. And just track with that. I'm sure we'll talk right. music, we'll talk Christianity, we'll talk all that stuff, but uh, different vibe. A lot right. of people may skip this episode, but that's fine. you shouldn't, because <laughs> I think it will be good. Yeah. You can see where we're coming from. There you go. Yeah. All right. Um, you want to start with a question, or you want me to start with a question? Yeah. I, I guess, Clifton, like, take me back to growing up in the church. Let, let's start with church before we start with music, because at least for me... I think I have memories of that before I have memories of, well, at least like rock yeah. music and that kind of thing. So <laughs> kind of, I don't know, tell me about growing up in your church and that experience and just, you know, faith as a kid, any individual memories you have, some yeah. of your earliest memories of that. So I grew up going, um, attending First Baptist Church, Wichita Falls, which my parents started attending after I was born. They weren't really religious before then. And uh, the church actually offered a like a basketball and a volleyball league. It's a giant church. It's this really weird church where like it's even bigger today. But even back then, it was huge. Like physically, like the building was huge. It had a gymnasium. It had like right off the gymnasium, separated by a movable wall, was another like uh, a gathering place that could hold that was as big as the gymnasium again. <laughs> and off of that was what we call the CLC, the Christian Life Center. Um, that had like pool tables and arcade games and a and a bowling alley with three uh, with three lanes, literally like a pottery studio with a kiln, and this is all just like this is one side of the church, and this probably doesn't account for like ten percent of the size of the church. Um, what was the question again? So I so I yeah so my I, my parents uh, took us took, uh, my parents joined there not not long after we uh, not long after I was born. So I kind of grew up in that, you know. Um, some of my earliest memories were of my earliest memories. So my the pastor that was there when I was growing up, his name was Chapman, Morse Chapman, and he's a pretty he was pretty big in the Southern Baptist Convention. He was Southern Baptist president for for you know several terms, I think. And like one of my earliest memories in churches, which is kind of sad, is. Uh, is being in like a Christian service. I was probably like five or six years old and just like being told that I was going to hell and that I needed to repent, you know, and that and like at five or six years old, I didn't know what that meant, you know, and I was like, well, I'm sure as shit's scared, you know. <laughs> but other than that, I have sort of good memories of early on, you know, of especially like growing up in the, with the CLC and stuff, the Christian Life Center, you know, they had like parents night out and stuff like that. So like our, literally our parents would like just drop us off there and like there'd be like, you know, like 30 to 50 kids up there. <laughs> it's like probably like one adult trying to corral us all, you know, playing, playing pool and playing, uh, 
playing video games and playing in the gym. They actually didn't let us into the bowling alley that much, even though there was a bowling alley there. Um, you know, so I remember like play, playing video, playing pool a lot. And, you know, like I remember this, uh, there was another room that like off of the gymnasium that had like all kinds of supplies in it and it had weird games in it too. Like, remember like those old weird like games that you like see in Cracker Barrel and stuff like that, where it's just like pegs and boards and there were like all kinds of different versions of pegs and board games and stuff there's also a kitchen in that thing jeez that was a huge it's a huge huge building so were you at church definitely multiple days a week multiple nights a week yeah i mean we were you know monday nights we were there for like we monday nights were like meet at the church have a dinner and then go out to visit visitation like go out and invite people to the church that's visitation right wednesday nights were wednesday night services so there weren't any Wednesday night services for the kids, and so we just really hang out, hung out in the CLC, you know, and did that. Okay. But before that, there was a dinner. Um, so like they literally like cooked a dinner, like and it. I remember always getting a baked potato, um, but you could they and and you could get like they always serve random things. Um, I remember the one of my dad's friends always used to they, they always used to serve chicken cordon bleu, and he always called it chicken solo shoe because it wasn't very good, you know. <laughs> it's a cafeteria in the end, right? <laughs> um, but. I remember always doing that. I remember one of my friends would always like, they would have like all the condiments to go on a baked potato and like all like the condiments to go with tea. And he would always like make weird concoctions out of those and dare everyone to drink them with like hot sauce and lemon juice and all kinds of stuff together. <laughs> so that's a lot of my memories of childhood are that kind of thing or, or like, so, so um, that's Wednesday nights. And then of course, Sundays were, of course, you know, church service and um, Sunday school. And the, the church is so big that at one point there were actually three church services. Um, but most of the time there was two church services. So there was an early service and a late service. And depending on when your Sunday school was, because there weren't enough facilities for everyone to have Sunday school at the same time, even though wow. it's a giant church. Although for, for much of my childhood, not all, some of the church was like unoccupied, even, you know, even though we probably needed space. Which was always fun to sneak around those parts, which we also did on Wednesday nights. Um, so you'd have either early or late, you know, Sunday school, and you would go to the opposite church service. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, so definitely, you know, and then Sunday night was also another service, and we were always there for that too. And that once again was they would usually have a kids thing for that if it was young. By the time there was youth group, though, of course, there uh, was. There was the whole we when I st- first started youth group in my at seventh grade there there was a youth group in the main building but then by the next year they'd actually bought another building across the street which was a like a four story office building that they turned into the youth building and then that's where the youth services were held on the top floor of that and then the bottom three floors were like Sunday school rooms and all that kind of stuff and so there was that of course and like uh, but the, the only time there was a separate youth thing was on Wednesdays, of course. But yeah, so I, you know, I grew up and I, I mean, we were, and, and then if you, if you take, take into account like that, you know, we probably spent, you know, half the Fridays in a year at, at Parents Day Out, you know, mm. we were probably there like, what's that? One, two, three, four, four days a week at least, you know? Wow. I mean, my earliest birthday parties were at church. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's where everything was on. I mean, like my mom went to pottery class at church. It's just everything. Like, yeah. What What about music? Were you, first memories of music that you liked was that with, 
through church? Was that something separate? Like what was No, that? music is very different for me. So like I said, my parents weren't weren't very religious. So, you know, even as a young kid, we we listened to like my, my earliest memories of music were listening to Michael Jackson on pop radio, you know, hmm. and things like that. Like my 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 dad had a a a very large vinyl vinyl collection, you know, of anything from 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 Boston and Led Zeppelin to, you know, Michael Jackson of the time and all kinds of stuff, you know. But then later on, probably in the early 90s, there was a big shift where, like, they started listening to, my parents started listening to country music. And so there's a lot of country music in my life after that. <laughs> but no explicitly, like, Christian music, at least. I mean, I was in the choir, kid. you know, but, like, I wasn't, like, interested, like, you know, any any, any music that I had interest in. I, I remember calling on the radio station, you know, and requesting you know, Michael Jackson or, 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 or other pop songs of the time, you know, mm-hmm. um, with my, with, like literally with my dad, you know, <laughs> um, or my dad would call in sometimes and request it in my name, you know, and like, I remember coming on the radio and be like, Oh my, you know, <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I remember like, like there's a, the house that we lived in when I was that age, around eight or so, um, had like a big room in the back. The later became my bedroom when my other sister was born, like through you know, kind of shifted around, right? Um, but I remember like us being back there and like dancing around to the radio and stuff like that, you know, and, and yeah. So when did you start listening to more, you know, Christian music? Well, like my interest in music specifically, like I said, so I, I remember listening to Michael Jackson, like my the very first I don't remember if the first music I bought specifically was Christian music or if it was country music, not Christian music, if it was pop music or if it was country music, but it was one of the two. I remember like buying, what was that? Like a country group. I remember remember buying a country album like very early on in my like, you know, probably like 10 to 12 age, you know, but I also listened to that and that, at that same round, round, round at that same time, I also remember listening to, a lot of boys to men and a lot of Mariah Carey. Um, in fact, I mean, when when I found the very next thing that happened after that was finding things like, you know, finding like so those compilations and stuff like that. The music, the Christian store, you know, um, and it's like I was literally like went from like boys to men to you know, probably like Audio Adrenaline or something like that, you know, or Newsboys or, or really Stephen Chris Chapman and stuff like that and Jeff Moore in the distance, yeah. Did your parents pressure you to do that or did you just kind of on your own? I think I just on my own. own, yeah. You know, I think I just, I mean, it's probably a youth group type pressure, you mm-hmm. know, where it was like, you know, you got to you gotta keep it in the faith type thing, you know. Right. And I also remember one of, the, one of my very first music experiences was, because uh, I lived in Wichita Falls, you know, so even like, you know, even things that would come to Amarillo didn't come to Wichita Falls, right? Yeah. So one of my very first musical experiences live was, I think it was seventh grade, like the summer after seventh grade youth camp, which was just a junior high camp because our youth group was so big that it had a junior high camp and a high school camp. So at, you, at junior high camp after seventh grade, the last night they had a they had Jeff Moore the Distance live at the camp. And it wasn't just like our church. It was like a bunch of different churches at this camp, you know? And I remember like specifically being like thinking it was the coolest thing in the world. And there were other people there who thought it was lame. And I was like, come on, this is great. Like, <laughs> yeah, I believe in evolution. Anyways, yeah. Right, right. 
I don't even know if I knew who they were before that, honestly, but I definitely listened to them after that. But they seemed so cool because they yes. were a band that you were seeing live yeah. and like, right. Yeah, they had guitars and stuff, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were a real rock band. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so that's probably the my first, that's probably what, maybe even the first thing that I really, I, I probably had listened to a little bit of Stephen Chris Chapman before that, but I definitely hadn't listened to like, there definitely wasn't audio journal or newsboys. Those were cutting edge when you know, when I found those. You know that was that was pushing the limits. Right. So yeah, it's probably like Stephen Curtis Chapman into Jeff Moore the distance. So did that one thing just led to another? Stephen Curtis Chapman, Jeff Moore, and then Jeff Moore to audio adrenaline. Just as you kind of well, that's probably it's stuff. probably also just youth group type influences. Right. You know, there was there was um, yeah, there was probably. Like played in like literally like played played before youth group type thing. Like yeah. While everyone's like chatting and stuff like that, there's music played and stuff like that. So I think that's probably where I heard like audio adrenaline. I know I know that's where I heard Newsboys. Mm-hmm. Also, you know DC Talk. That's so that's probably also needs to be in there as well. DC Talk probably came before audio adrenaline and Newsboys. It was probably more in the Stephen Chris Chapman phase. It's probably Stephen Chris Chapman and DC Talk, and then that kind of phased into the audio adrenaline and Newsboys stuff. Um, so that, that brings us up to basically me starting to listen to Christian music. Do you want to turn around and well, how did, how did you, uh, were you, were you always brought up in the church? Yeah. Similar to you. I don't know when my parents got serious about it, but my earliest memories is always going to church pretty steady. I think what happened with them is the church that I went to, which was a a lot like you, a Southern Baptist church in, in Amarillo, Texas, in my town, like yours, um, they had a good children's ministry. Mm-hmm. So when I was born, you know, my parents were looking for something like that with like a, you know, kind of a preschool program and Mother's Day out and all that stuff. And so I think they got pretty involved then and they just got more and more involved as I got older. Yeah. And we had a pretty big children's ministry and all that. I remember growing up. And so I was a lot like you pretty plugged in from an early age. I remember being there Sunday morning, Sunday nights, Wednesdays for sure. And you're right. I remember we would serve a meal too. So it's like me and my knucklehead friends. Yeah. Doing stupid stuff, like mixing stuff together and eating it or shooting butter packets out. Oh, yeah, and like, you know, yeah. just like real dumb stuff. But you know, your my memories are like, you know, third, fourth, fifth grade, kind of just being knucklehead kids. Yeah. Uh, visitation, that's one that sounds familiar, but I don't remember if we did that or not, your Monday night visitation. We might have. Yeah. Um, it was off and on for us, but it was overall on. Yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't really even heard that word to, in a long time until you said yeah. it. But same thing, like all of kind of elementary school just being pretty involved mm-hmm. with church. And I think one thing that is important to point out for me, and I would venture to guess it was probably similar for you, is... It was almost like you had two social worlds. Like I had mm-hmm. the school world. Yes. And I had a lot of, you know, friends in that and stuff I was involved in, like Cub Scouts and different. I was never really sports kids, but I tried sports yeah. occasionally, you know, different things like that. And in the social church world, and they overlapped some because mm-hmm. I had some people who went to that and they weren't completely separate, but it was definitely like another social scene. And, and as, as I got into probably middle and high school with youth group, that was probably this, where I really felt mostly myself was even probably more at church than at school. Um, So, yeah, I I relate to that a lot. Music for me, my mom always really liked music. And I 
when I was really little, I remember she had Billy Joel. Um, I think the album was called Innocent Man. And I remember a lot of those songs because she listened to it a lot. But somewhere around that time, she must have gotten more into Christian music. Because really what I remember her listening to a lot was like Sandy Patty, mm-hmm. Larnell Harris, those type of artists a lot growing up. And then that kind of bled over to me. And I started getting into like, you know, Christian music, even as an elementary school kid, mm. I think just cause my mom was into it. So if she went to the Christian bookstore, uh, she'd let me look at stuff, Interesting, you know? And so I remember getting into like Petra a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, DeGarmo and Key, I really liked. <sighs> Some other really like kind of terrible Christian pop in like early Christian rap. I'm talking like early DC talk, like mm-hmm. new thing or even their album before that. There was a really bad, probably really bad Christian rap group called JC crew that I thought were super cool when I was like fifth or sixth grade. Um, some of that really early stuff. I mean, I even had a subscription to CCM magazine when I was like 11 or 12. <laughs> I remember calling into the Christian radio show one time. They had like a little quiz and call in and I won the, prize and i remember the dj being astounded that this kid that sounded so young knew what i was talking about but i just read it he was like how do you know i was like i read it in ccm magazine um so i was kind of a nerd i guess that was just like my scene already i was really into that stuff what was the christian bookstore that you went to so i had yeah there were multiple ones in town uh there was a baptist bookstore called high plains baptist bookstore i know it actually became pretty busy like a locally owned one there was a family Christian store. Mm-hmm. I think it was called Zondervan, but then it shifted into family yeah. Christian. And there were a couple of other ones that were in town too. And so just depending on what era, you know, we kind of went to one or the other. Um, but, but yeah, that was kind of a, it's hard to remember a time when we didn't go to those. So it's interesting because when it, when it, when I was the one who had to ask my parents to go to the Christian books, I started listening to that kind of music. Yeah. So I had to like, make my own way there i guess a little bit so yeah yeah no mine definitely kind of brought me into that I, and i liked some stuff that wasn't my dad doesn't listen to oldies i remember i really liked like the california raisins you remember that <laughs> yes when yeah. that was a big thing um so some stuff but pretty quickly i got into that i mean i liked like you know mc hammer boys to men Mariah yeah. carry a little bit when that was out too but it was definitely quickly i think my parents tried to funnel me into the Christian music thing. And I was all about it. I was yeah. loving it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, overall fairly similar. Okay. Sorry. Did you have, I just remembered that we had Royal, Royal Ambassadors RA. Did you have Royal Ambassadors? Oh, we did have RA, which was kind of like church's version of Boy yeah. Scouts. Not exactly, but. Oh uh, yeah, different. Yeah. I, I never did Scouts because I played sports. So that was, took up most of my time, but on, that's what we actually, when they could find a leader for us, we did it Royal Ambassadors. Remember we did a lot of like, like the down slope car racing, like with the, little wooden the pine, cars. Uh, pine wood derby. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was in scouts. So I, but I did RA two for a little bit, but then ended up doing scouts more. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, similar thing. I've forgotten all about that. But you're yeah, right. me too. Yeah. So I remember just spending so much time, like where you put the weight on this car, you know, and like how much, how much graphite do you use? <laughs> Yeah, the shape of the car, and like I always lost, didn't matter, but still. Yeah, it's good times. <laughs> it, it was, was yeah. And the stupid little vest that never, never felt quite comfortable, and 
So what was what was the first maybe Christian artist that you were listening to that you finally felt like, okay, these guys are really cool. Like yeah. I, this is not I've I've gone past just cheesy church stuff. This is Yeah. This is it. I think that's definitely plank eye for me. Okay. Yeah. Um because I got I got into them as I was like so you know after the newsboys and and but like not long like like I'm talking like months, you know. But after kind of I got into newsboys and audio adrenaline I found Plank Guy. But I was also listening to like Three Crosses and Big Tent Revival at the same time, you know? But definitely I could tell that Plank Guy was different. Sure. Right? Um I don't think I really understood what to the nail was at that like at that exact point that I found them. But I but I, I do know that that was there was something about it. That, there was an edge to it that grabbed me more than it. It, it didn't feel like just some pr- industry-produced product, right? Mm-hmm. It felt like these were these were guys who were like doing something, like they were trying to say something and they were trying to do their own thing. You know, it's funny because you know we're fourteen or fifteen at the time, not really <laughs> super critical age and stuff. But <laughs> I was similar, like. I think Poor Old Lou was the band for me that yeah. was like that, that the same kind of thought of like, okay, this seems different. This seems a little more legit. Yeah. Somehow this doesn't seem as cheesy, prepackaged, like a little bit edgier. Um, yeah, they, that was the first band for me that seemed to have a little more credibility, mm-hmm. even though, I mean, I don't know who I was going to talk to <laughs> about them, but it just, well, Yeah. I guess how 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 did your friend group like were they all involved in music too? Yeah, so that's a good point. My friends that I was hanging out with um, were more centered around church than they were school, even though most of them went to the same. Yeah, honestly, the same middle and high school for the most part. But yeah. we really were connected in church more because I might not you know I might not always have the same classes mm-hmm. with them. Um, and we were all starting to kind of explore the same type of like alternative mm-hmm. Christian music around the same time, you know, okay. give or take a little bit. One person would find something, another person would find something different. Some yeah. of it, you know. Were you talking about music? Were you talking about even things before it was Poor Lou? Were you like, hey, this new Newsboys album is great, you know? Yeah, a little bit. I think we were, I was definitely into Newsboys. I loved that Not Ashamed and Going Public, those two albums. Steve Taylor, who we haven't really covered directly yet on the show, but that Squint album was another one for me that I was kind of like, this is a little different, and this seems edgier. Yeah. And my friends were kind of doing the same thing with other albums and things, so that helped. I had a small group of a couple of friends that were at least, you know, trying it. Yeah. I remember I had, like, my, like, tight group of friends was probably, you know, there were four of us. And we actually went to, well, one of us went to the same middle school or junior high, but the other two went to different ones. Um, but we were, so we were just church where we were connected. Um, even though my, my good friend, Stuart, we, we actually kind of really connected over uh, the first thing we ever did together. Just two of us was going to a Star Trek convention in town. There you go. <laughs> so uh, us huge nerds watching uh, TNG at the time. Um, and Armin Shimmerman was there. It was great. But... Uh, <laughs> I have no idea who that is, but anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, we definitely talked about music, you know. I don't think it really became like a like a deep... It wasn't deep conversations. It was more just like, hey, you go listen to this album, you know, kind of thing. Um, 
or we would just, you know, or we would just like go home with, especially as we got into high school, you know, we would like go home, like one of us would like would have one of our parents pick us up or something like that. And we'd be like, you drop us off at Mardell on the way home, you know, like we'll, we'll walk from there kind of thing. Mardell was the Christian bookstore. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mardell was the Christian bookstore. Well, and it was, it was kind of a different period in time because there's no internet right? or there we were not on it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, even music magazines of this scene, I'm talking early on, Seven Ball didn't exist. Nope. There was some really small underground ones that me and you in our towns in Texas were not getting because no. there's no like scene around us. Right. The Christian bookstore was our access to this. And so it may be HM magazine. And that was just starting to, in my opinion, go less metal and cover right. some more stuff. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't, a lot of ways to find out about this so it was kind of a lot of times like i went to the christian bookstore a lot of times they would have demo tapes or yes. demo cds which was huge huge so you could like listen to it before you bought it mm -hmm. um and so you're right you would go with your friends you pull a bunch of stuff off the shelf and get the demos and like we even had one like a little listening booth so it was cool so you oh, could really? like be in there without headphones like multiple people nice. and so we okay, put it cool. on and be like this is cool or like you know you put someone like nah not for us yeah. and so that's how you found out about yeah. stuff you know and you you had whatever money you had and you might buy an album maybe your friend bought in a different one exactly, and you yes. just kind of like listened shared, to yeah. it and shared and yeah. that's what you did yeah a lot yes and how we came up with money i don't know i, th I think i just like my parents would give me money for 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 lunch, you know, and I would buy like the cheapest lunch that you could and save the rest. And that's how I would buy albums. <laughs> My parents definitely for a while were like, if you're listening to Christian music, we'll buy it. So yeah. it, I mean, it's not like I had an endless supply, but they would be like more open to buying stuff okay. for me if I was getting Christian music. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they ever said I couldn't have secular, but that was their way of kind of like right. funneling me towards yeah. that. Yeah. So I, I remember this, that time period where I finally was kind of like, okay. Poor old Lou, some of these other bands. This seems more legit. I like this. It doesn't seem as cheesy. And that was kind of, I started kind of putting my identity, I think, partially into some of that, like, oh, alternative Christian music. This mm -hmm. is this is me. This is cool. And kind of carried that, honestly. The, that was like late middle school into early high school. And that's kind of just was my world all of high school, mm -hmm. I think, were those kind of bands and that scene even though i say scene even though i think probably for both of us we didn't really have a scene in our town it was yeah. just what we could plug into yeah from these albums and this music yeah there there was a there was a very big changing point in my life which was in the the very beginning of my sophomore year of high school when i'd already of course I'd already been listening to like you know plank guy and i and i think i'd even gotten a little bit into like, i I'd definitely had gotten a little bit into like punk and stuff like that you know but um, I ended up having um, uh, in my English class was was someone who had become a very good friend of mine, Justin. And actually, uh, Stuart and Justin and I were at the same high school, and we actually ended up in that same English class altogether. And Justin was actually the lead at that time was the lead singer of a punk band in town um, with another with a, with an older with some older kids, you know. Um, and he and when we met, it just kind of blew everything wide open, you know. And so that was like a real exposure to like. Like a bunch of like, and I, I I kind of knew all it was there, you know, but like it was just more in your like I was in that was my scene, I guess was 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 just like 
Christian punk or like yes. regular punk? Or yeah, they were in a Christian punk band in town. Yes. Okay. Wow. Yes. Yeah. I forgot. I, I don't remember what they were called at the time. Actually, I was Jelly Bean Polka. Was the name of their band. <laughs> that sounds. Yes. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so when we so when we met, that's when like we really like I like when like this at also the same time like that like that Five Iron Frenzy album, the first one came out. You know, was in '96 because I I remember like, it didn't re- released until '97 on on five minute walk but they did a self-release i guess in 96 and that's when i remember listening to it because i remember listening to it in my car being driven by other people well, not in my car sorry in other people's cars like because i couldn't drive yet so that has to be 96 and so that's when i when i when i first found it so that was you know and it was all that the kind of just exploded all at the same time and that's kind of two things that explosion kind of at the same time right you know and so that whole time right that that 96 time in 95 beginning of 96 you know that just it, everything everything blew up you know, and that's when I just found everything. You know, Goaty Hook and 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 Value Pack, and yeah. So that that was a big changing point for me was was meeting Justin and just having more exposure to this stuff. Not just more exposure, but like almost like more like credibility to, to listening to it, and like and not like and not just being something I'm doing. You know, right? Not just like because I guess I was I guess I was to some extent afraid. Like I, even though I was blazing my own trail, I guess I was afraid to push the boundaries too hard, too fast. I guess you mm-hmm. know, um, because there was always a question of, well, is that is that Bloodshed album really? Because <laughs> they're screaming. So is it really Christian? You know, mm. if you can't understand every word, is how Christian can it really be? So did it feel validating to have other people that were exactly into that too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes you know? sense. I think that's when the kind of my identity, well, I don't, I don't, that's not true either. My identity was kind of wrapped up in it before then, but really that was like the solidifying point of like, it really changed right then, hmm. you know? Yeah. Did you have in high school, were there any like, I'm doing air quotes, secular bands that you got into too at the same time? Or were there any you remember or was it all Christian? So this, Early on, no. Okay. Um, you know, no, there was, and I don't know that there was a lot of preaching time done on like, don't listen to secular music, but there was a lot of preaching time done on like, keep your influences pure, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, gotta watch out for what you watch and what you listen to, what you put in your head, you know? And so I definitely, ne- I never sought out secular music. I only sought out Christian music for that reason. And even to the point where we would debate, like, is this Christian enough for us to listen to? Right. Such as the Huntington's, you know, or bloodshed or, or, you know, um, so no, but then by the end of high school, I was definitely listening to, you know, uh, less than Jake, you know, and, and a few other, few other, secular things you know now and you know you kind of can't help but hear you know blink 182 and green day sure and yeah things like that obviously and yeah you know but no I, I never especially early on not until like probably my senior year i probably didn't seek out anything yeah what about you i did a, so a little bit and sometimes i felt guilty and bad about it but um it was funny because it was the christian music that would lead me to the "Quote unquote secular." Like, right. I remember I got that Operation Ivy. That's album what I was going to ask you about yeah. because I think I think Mike Herrera had a sticker on his guitar, and I saw them at Cornerstone in '96. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know, bands like that had been around. You know, they didn't obviously exist at the time, but but already established. You would see that logo some other places, and you just start, huh? Mm-hmm. What's that? And then you see it yeah. at the store finally. And you're like, 
try it. Yeah. And I listened to it. And I was like, oh my God, this is really good. Was that before or after Squad? I think it. I think it might have been before. Yeah. I, it's hard to say. It was sometime in high school when I was into that ska punk stuff. And, you know, you listen to it and you're like, they're kind of like the standard bearers of it. It's like yeah. so good. Oh, yeah. But I also remember being like, oh, there's bad words in this and I feel bad. <laughs> but it's so catchy and just having this like back and forth yeah. with myself. But then you listen to like the lyrics and like, what can you even complain about in the lyrics other than like a bad word? Every time right. But know? back then, that's the problem is I was missing like the force for the trees, right? right I would yeah. just hear bad words and automatically like, whoop. Forgetting the rest of the messages in that. Um, Mineral was another band that, because I would go down rabbit holes and like start to get little zines and other mm. stuff. And somehow, because of Tess Wiley and Fantasmic, who I really liked, mm-hmm. and they had that song on one of the art core things. Yeah. So I saw her at Cornerstone. And I remember she was saying like, because her brother was a drummer in Mineral. And I remember she he played with her and I think maybe one or two of the other guys. And she was like, yeah, these guys are in a band called Mineral. And I remember like <laughs> yeah. tagging that in my mind. And then strangely enough, I saw that album at our local Hastings. Yeah. And so I just bought it and then was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I would argue that Mineral album is more Christian than some of the stuff we talk oh, about anyway. 100%, yes. But so at the time, yeah, hearing that, that was really big. Um, but for the most part, I was sticking to the tried and true, like, yeah. you know, Christian stuff through most of that time period i'd say by senior year late junior senior year i was kind of opening my mind to more stuff and getting more interested in things and yeah. not being so strict with stuff yeah it's kind of hard to remember exact timelines just because everything exploded so quickly mm-hmm. and changed like you know like all this happened within like a four-year period probably you know because yeah. you know i think even by the end of like my senior year, I was definitely looking at more into secular music, you know, and so it was really like from like eighth grade to eleventh mm-hmm. grade or something like that, you know, that was really a big deal. Well, obviously, it was before that too, you know, with Stephen Curtis Chapman and 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 and, and uh, Jeff Moore, the distance stuff like that, you know. But yeah, it just happened so fast and everything. And there was always just that was uh, I guess that's the nice thing about Gavin growing up then, you know, is that is, there was always something new, you know. There was always something coming out that was just I was looking for. I was, you know, I was looking forward to the new Cosmos Express. Or the, hey, that Quill album's going to be those guys from from Spud Puddle. Or it's like well, because Christian that time, like alternative Christian music, you had some established labels, mm-hmm. you had some kind of channels of distribution for it to go through. It was kind of its own little world, and it was big enough to be interesting, but small enough that you could yeah. kind of stay on top of it. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you like, like could. knowing who, what's coming out, man, who's in this band, who's this. And so it was really kind of fun because yeah. you just <laughs> had this whole little scene that, again, even though you and I rarely got any good shows coming to our town, right. we could still be a part of it because it was so niche and and yeah. small. What was the first live thing that you saw that's part of this world? It depends on what you call part of this world. I definitely saw that band White Heart um, (laughs) (laughs) back when I was 11 or 12. I saw that group JC Crew opening for somebody, and I remember thinking it was really cool. So that must have been one of the first ones. Um, But probably similar to you, definitely saw Newsboys. See, we didn't get Newsboys. Definitely got them at some point. We got that, that, that tour that was... Um, third day, All Star United, Seven Day Jesus. Okay, that was my. That was probably the first thing I saw live in town. The first experience I had with like cool Christian music yeah. was I somehow pestered 
my dad and a couple other dads into driving all of us like multiple sets of, of kids up to Cornerstone in Illinois, which from like Texas is a long way. So we went summer in 96 already by summer of 95. I was like, Ooh, this Cornerstone thing. I want to go to this, but you know, so for about a year I pestered and somehow we got that happened. And so Cornerstone is where I saw like, all these bands and basically had my mind blown. Yeah, it's just like, been, oh yeah, my God, this is amazing. Because they were, they were so small, they weren't coming to a small right. market like our towns. Because, and they kind of avoided the South. Like, that's something we talked about a little bit, you know. Well, like, I, yeah, I don't blame them yeah. in some ways. Um, so yeah, that was when I first saw that. And then I was even more sold. You know, Hook, yeah. Line, and Sinker was into that stuff. That would have been... What did your dad do while you were at Cornerstone? He was real nice. My dad's not into music, period. So really? he would yeah. just hang out at the campsite. I don't know, read a book. He was, I give my dad a lot of credit for that because like, <laughs> right, yeah. I know he doesn't even like music. So he was really cool <laughs> about just chilling and whatever. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. I remember probably, it may have been like late sophomore year. We, uh, I remember there's, we had a youth intern named Dan and Dan like introduced us to so much stuff. Um, in fact, he he made us listen to Loudflower the first time. I remember being so we had somehow we had talked him into taking Stuart and I to a Goody Hook show in Dallas. So and I I don't I think maybe Squad Five O was there too. Like I don't I gotta go back and look at that because I remember walking into this like upstairs dingy but like like large and wide open but like horrible acoustics room where we saw this stuff like. What's funny is I don't remember, in my mind, I don't remember seeing Goody Hook, but I remember going to see Goody Hook, but in my mind, what I remember seeing is Squad 5-0. Because their live show was just so just, good. oh my God. Yeah, right, right. Right, yeah. <laughs> and on the way back, he was like, you guys have to listen to this album. So I remember being like shoved into the back seat of his, of his Mustang. If you know anything about Mustangs, they're just, they're too small for anybody. And I'm six foot four, so like, yeah. like I was just like, my feet were... I was sideways, like and, like I was not did not have my feet in front of me, right? Like, and I just remember like, and my head was like too close to the uh, to the speaker, and like we'd already have our eardrums eardrums blown out, you know. <laughs> and him playing loud part, I mean, just being like, God, turn it off, please. But later on, I would fall in love with it, of course. Um, but yeah, that that's that's probably the first big experience for me was was that weird, dingy. Like it wasn't even a church. It wasn't a church. It wasn't associated. Like it wasn't a Christian club. It was just like some place that had Goody Hook. I don't. I gotta look. I, maybe I'm fabricating this, but like that's what I remember. Yeah. We met fall of '99, our freshman year of college, mm -hmm. and I remember we went to a ton of shows. Jeez. Mostly <laughs> not. We might have gone to some Christian ones, but mostly not Christian. Right. Because much. You know, is Papa Papa knows probably not Christian. I don't, I don't know if you consider them or but because I think most are just what we were definitely more like not only listening to Christian music then, but I think for right. me it wasn't that I was like against it at that point. No. I just my taste had changed enough that the stuff I was into, I was we were both kind of more into like emo indie yeah, rock at that point. Exactly, so the yeah. stuff that we were into just was more not that realm. Right. I think for the most part, yeah. So we were kind of doing that. I do you remember when we, when we went to Houston? We had to like get off. It was like seven lanes wide. And we had to get off like to the right, but you were in the left lane, and you like 
swerved across. I think that's like the first show we ever went to. Like we almost died. Like it was so bad. I just remember we had to print out map quest yes. directions because there was, you know, nobody had smartphones and everything. Yeah, I do remember doing real stupid stuff. It's amazing we're still alive. But yeah. right, um, we went to a lot of so much yeah. uh, shows and saw a lot of live music. But I know we were both still going to church and mm-hmm. doing all that. And maybe I'm skipping ahead too much, but I guess one question I'm wondering, because I don't fully know the, honestly know the answer for you, is when did you, I don't want to say when you first started to have doubts, because maybe like, that's probably really, all of us There's have a lot that. to cover before then. But yeah, but when did you like, really start, do you remember any key points when you were like, huh, I don't know if I fully believe this anymore. Like. Ooh, that would have been after college for me. Okay. Was there anything, well. Take us through that. I mean, was there anything in college that made you think that? Or, I mean... So, no. Well, I mean... Okay. So, a lot of this story goes into a lot of my anxiety issues, which started to manifest. So, I... I, <laughs> I told you part of the story yesterday, but I'll tell it here again. In that I was dating a girl my freshman year who... Like, we didn't even sleep together that. Like, we slept together like one or two times, you know? And, but she turned out that I found out about 10 years ago had faked a pregnancy scare. With you? With me. <laughs> like it was your baby. Right. Like yeah. I, I went to visit one time and she was like, I have something to tell you, you know. Um, and can we just pause for a second? Because like, if you are listening and you grew up in the world we grew up in, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping I can just. I can feel the anxiety coming on me. You should tell me about that. And I'm yeah. not even in this world anymore or anything like that. But I just like sex outside of marriage was absolutely like the mm-hmm. worst thing you could do. Yes. I mean, it might be, I'm like, yeah, I'm murdering somebody, but I'm like, I don't know. They might think it's worth, you know, like it's just that literally like, like, that's a pretty good point though. Cause after, after that, I was like, could I murder someone? Like, maybe I could. Holy shit. Right. Like, like those are the kind of thoughts I had to myself. Yeah. yeah that was, considered so bad and then like you know pregnancy and just i i just like the amount of anxiety you must have been going through i cannot right Right. so i was 19 i think she was 18 at the time um she's a little bit younger than me but same year like we graduated at the same time Mm -hmm. and um so she she you know she's like hey you know i told you yesterday and so like i really like after she told me like at the end of a night like as i was dropping her off at her house and I literally went over to a friend of mine who had his own own apartment at the time. I just puked for like an hour. Like it just, cause that's like, it's like the end of the goddamn world, right? Like not only do I have to tell everyone that I'm, that I've done the worst thing ever, which is have sex outside of marriage. Like I have to live with the consequences of it now, which I don't, which my world is over, right? I don't get to go to college. I don't get to have a life. My life is now trying to raise a kid. But I don't have a job that can pay enough. Mm-hmm. And I'll, this will be my life forever. So I'll be, I'll be poor and, have a kid and like that's 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 the end of the world for me right right and and uh so that was like i that was like seriously like it just like consumed my freshman year like was just anxiety like i just like like i woke up thinking about it and i went to bed thinking about it and i was in class thinking about it and like so i have i do have an anxiety disorder um which is generalized anxiety disorder which is basically it sounds like head pat like kind of generalized anxiety disorder but basically what it means is that your mind grabs on to anything it can to obsess over 
And so like, like, you know, some people are OCD and so they like, they obsess over like how they do things. But generalized anxiety is where it's just that your mind grabs on anything it can to obsess over and to, and, and, and I'll, you know, it's also a kind of a fight or flight response at all times. And so like, I would, I would, you know, <laughs> I remember like in the, I worked at uh, an architecture firm in the, in the winter of that, of, in, which is I don't remember all the maybe it was the summer. I don't I remember all the timeline very well because it's so stressful that the timeline has just disappeared sure. in my mind. That but I remember working at an architecture firm and like I had to do this really mundane task of converting the old Unix CAD files to Windows ArchiCAD Arch of uh, whatever it's called. When you said Unix, I got the spelling wrong for a second. I was like, what is he to... Anyway, <laughs> sorry. I-X. Thank you. Got yes. it. Okay, I was thinking something else. To, right. uh, to, to um, AutoCAD files. And so I was literally like, I like ran a script and it would like open the file and save the file and everything that it needed. Like, like I wrote a script that would blow, blow, it would do everything that I needed to do. So I like, had to do like, I would just like basically run script, click on the file, and then it would do everything, right? So like, I, there was no thought involved. Right. And so I would just sit there for eight hours a day thinking to myself, like, I've done the worst thing ever. Like, God could kill me right now, and I would, that would be the right thing to do, you know? God, so you, because you've got the anxiety, pregnancy scare anxiety, right. but you've got the religious stuff on top of that. Correct. So making it infinitely worse. Yeah. Plus just the anxiety of being a freshman year kid oh, in sure. school yeah, and college all that, and all that. But like, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, but I, I barely even got to focus on that, honestly, like because I was just so consumed by this. Sure. Like, my grades were horrible. You know, the I did okay in architecture, but like everything outside of architecture I did horribly on my calculus. I just bombed completely. I had to get a tutor and retake it again the next year. You know, in like the history class, I had to retake it again the next year. Like I just, I just the whole year was a waste almost. Mm. And so that was kind of my first big run in with, I, I'd always had anxieties. Like I'd always had like just little things that popped up here and there in my life, but I never really could have put up. I, it wasn't enough to like put a, you know, like like you couldn't have diagnosed it when I was a kid, you know. I mean, maybe you could have. You really know what you're looking for, but like, if you're just a person, you wouldn't have been like, yeah. oh, you know. <laughs> um. So. So that was my first real run-in with anxieties. Was that was was that experience? And then, like I said, she actually faked it, which means that like she. she the whole like later on, a few months later, she went through this whole like while well, I was in in. And like, because she was actually in my hometown, and I was in College Station to go to school, and she would like, would like, she spent like a whole week faking having a miscarriage, basically, which is just absurd. But anyways, wow. <laughs> right. So, so that that went through that in my freshman year, and which really just ruined, like, wrecked me, you know. And like, I, I'd always, like, and so I went back. I think. I went back home that summer. Like I, I guess that's when I worked for the Irish firm because I remember I also helped out with like, with uh, I volunteered for, you know, for vacation Bible school, which I'd always done all through high school. I'd always volunteered for vacation Bible school, and you know, taught 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 classes and did whatever they needed me to do. You know, but I remember sitting in vacation Bible school and just being like, that's all I could think about then. Like not so much the pregnancy thing because that was over, right? But like the. Like the God could kill me right now, and that would that there would be nothing wrong with that. Is it just this feeling of I'm a really terrible person? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm like like just like yeah, exactly. You know, um, like I've gone too far. Wow. Yeah, that's that's what, and you know, because it was like I had like I understand like, 
and what you can't separate here is that this is anxiety disorder, right? You can't take that out of it. it it's the the trigger is a, is a religious trigger. It's, the trigger is coming from the religious beliefs, but it's an anxiety disorder, right? Right. And so, like, I knew, like, you know, like, there's forgiveness, right? But in my brain, my brain was saying, "This is too far," you know. Did were you one of those that found yourself like saying the Lord's prayer like? All the time. No, but I would I would get to this like I, I I developed like this sense of like if I'm not feeling guilty then then that's gonna start being bad too. Like if I don't feel guilty then maybe I will do something even worse. You oh, know? Wow. So you like almost and, wanted to feel guilty. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, or if I not but if I don't feel guilty maybe then I don't deserve forgiveness or something like that. You know. Um, because no matter how you slice it, you know the whole the whole evangelical Christian concept of you know, there's no works for 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 salvation. Obviously, there are. Like <laughs> believing is a work. Yeah. You know, like it or not, it just it just is. And so, you know, it's like, well, if I truly believe what I've had, would have what have I would I've had sex? Oh no, gosh, yeah, you're right, really. You know? So yeah, maybe I'm not a real believer because right, of yeah. my actions. Oh right. my gosh, yeah, that could go forever. Exactly. And so, like I. Like, I, I actually got re-saved at this time, you know, like... That's what I was going to yeah. wonder if you were, like, you know, doing the... I shouldn't have said Lord's Prayer, like, yeah. Prayer of Salvation all the time. Yeah. And like, well, no, you know. but yes, there was at one point, yes. I got re-baptized at this time, this summer. Mm. Um, you know, because, like, literally it was like... And it was... This was how the... the, the, the you know, because it's just crazy, right? But I remember like sitting in Sunday school class, like for the college kids Sunday school class for the, over the summer, you know, and being like, I was the last one to leave and the, the teacher was still in there, you know, and I was like, had prayed to God, like, you know, if I need to get resaved, you know, but like make, uh, you know, have him say something before I leave, you know, and, and I walked out the door and he didn't say anything. And then I was like, well, but then I turned around, then I turned around, I was like, well, I know I'm wrong, you know, so. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, I turned back around, like, I need to get saved again. <laughs> Not again, but you know what I'm right, saying. Right, right. Yeah, so, you know, it's just, because it's, 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 if you're trying to understand this through a religious context, you're not going to understand this. It's, a, it's an anxiety disorder. It's that, the, it's that the trigger is a religious belief, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of, so that is my first kind of bout with anxiety. And, and it continued on pretty heavily all through college, but then it didn't hit again really hard until until it took me five years to graduate because I blew, you know, had to retake everything almost for my, for my freshman year. Like I was fine on architecture stuff, but all my other stuff I had to retake. <laughs> so I had to take another five years to do it, to get out of there. Plus architecture is a hard thing to fit everything into in four years. Sure. Uh, but so, you know, in, in my last two years, it really hit again. And I was like, that's a, that's when it was really bad. And like I would just like that's when I would just like constant. I don't. I, I honestly remember that period less than I remember the freshman year because it was just it was just like what I do remember about it is is like this like pattern of like feeling okay for a couple of days and then just like being consumed by it again for a week, you know, mm. and just hoping for good days and like and. And then in the times when I was feeling okay, I tried to get all my work done for school, which means that I would stay up for days at a time trying to do that, trying to fit it into when I wasn't being consumed by my anxieties. Right. And all that was stressing me out even more. And so I ended up having a giant panic attack, which I didn't know what it was at the time. 
to the point that like I like literally like hyperventilated and like threw up over the balcony of our apartment. And <laughs> well, I think it's important to point out that you today again can say this is anxiety, but back then were you just thinking this was all like guilt or what were you I mean, was this God punishing you? Like, yeah, how are like, you feeling how, all this? I mean, like, I went back and forth and back and forth all the time, right? Like, how do you interpret this, right? You know, like, people can say, well, don't, you know, faith isn't the force, so you don't, you're not trying to feel it, you know? But at the same time, like, these feelings are, like, that's that's your experience, mm-hmm. you know? I'm feeling something, yeah. Right, like, so why am I feeling this then, right? Like, we had no concept of of mental illness or anxiety disorders, things like that in the Baptist church, you know? Yeah. In fact, when I finally did, like, it was a, it was a big thing. Like, when I finally did seek help medically, you know, it was like, it was, it was, it was very, uh, my parents were actually, they weren't unsupportive, but afterwards my dad was like, so tell me about that. He was just curious because he, like, he never even, like, hmm. occurred to him. Right. You know, like. You know, so, and I spent, like, especially those last few years, I spent a lot of time. There was one, like, when I had that massive panic attack, I ended up going home again. All the other years I did summer school. So I ended up going home again for the summer that summer. And I remember talking to so many church counselors, like, of different sorts from different churches. And so many, like, leaders in the church. And they would come over and basically the same, they all told me the same thing in the end, which was, you know, pray harder and believe harder. You know, um, so... So that was, and know, that's the, honestly, I'm guessing that's probably the worst thing, thing you could the tell them. Worst, because that just like, adds on to it, right? Because yeah, that like, means well, okay. Well, I'm not working hard enough to believe, then, right? Right, right. right. Once again, I'm going to say that belief is a work, right? Because I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, I, I remember taking showers and being like, "What if the rapture happens while I'm in here?" And I come out of the shower and there's no one around, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I would hope that the rapture would happen, so at least then I could know where I stood. Wow. You know? Wow. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, so, and I, like, but just so many people telling me, it's like, from, like, like I said, from, like, deacons in the church to, like, licensed counselors, like, licensed church counselors, you know, just pray harder and believe harder. And it's hard. Like, you can't pray harder or believe harder, you know? Right. <laughs> That's just when that when when your entire life is trying not to feel these things because that's all you're that's you're consumed by it you know like how do, how do you you know this is anyways yeah and think about that message you can't do anything to earn God's love God loves you no matter what or he doesn't well right but especially because I'm raised Calvinist right so if you're not chosen then fuck off well there's that forget even all that for a minute I'm just thinking standard <laughs> evangelical fare like. You know, God loves you no matter what. You just have to accept him in your heart, blah, blah, blah. Oh, but wait, you still need to pray harder and you need to believe more and all that stuff. Right. Like, you can do nothing to earn his love, but you need to pray harder and believe right. more. And it, it, it's yeah. just, it doesn't actually fit. Right. You know? And so at this period, I was like, man, I, I read like every apologetics book I read, everything that that C.S. Lewis ever wrote, you know, right. I read like Spurgeon, I read like, I mean, I read everything I get my hands on trying to like, you know, because like, there's also this, this thought of like, well, maybe you just need to purify your beliefs. Maybe your beliefs are, are, are maybe they're being infected by something that's wrong, you know? And so I would just try to like read everything I could to like, 
trying to, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because once again, even though it's, because it is a work, like, no, whatever, anyways, yeah. Faith yeah. is a work. Yeah. Um, so, but all, all that to say that these were just torturous years, honestly. Like, sure. Like, but it wasn't until after college I was, uh, and I was still just as bad, honestly, even though, I, you know, think whenever there's life changes, it would distract me a little bit, you know, to, uh, it would distract me enough to not be as obsessed with the guilt and stuff like that, you know, for, right. for a while. Um, and so, but after I graduated, I was, I had I, made a friend, um, and I, I actually wasn't going to my parents' church at that point anymore. I was trying, I was trying to a few other churches, you know, just to find somewhere that I felt that I fit in. Because honestly, also my parents' church, they had a singles department. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, you're like, you're 23, 24, right out of school. Like, you're yeah. not, you don't really fit in in the church. Singles yeah. department. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, sure. that's the worst thing. Yeah. And so I would just go to like a college department for a different church that I enjoyed the people there. Right. Because it's know? much more yeah. where you are in life. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and so, you know, because other churches were just less like, rigid as far as you know anyways yeah so i I had met a friend who was a a nursing student at that time and and we talked about my what i wouldn't have called them anxieties at the time you know i would just call them my struggles or whatever right um but literally we were at ihop one night and and she was just like have you thought about going to a counselor or like looking at a diagnosis for this kind of thing and like and i was just like i don't know what that means but i think i don't think that's the right thing you know i think that just need to pray more. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> like oh, I'm reading this book, so I think that should, you know, whatever, you know. Um, but eventually, I did do it, and and uh, I got diagnosed, you know, with generalized anxiety disorder. I started seeing a counselor. Um, tried a few different medications. It took a while to find a medication that worked and wasn't like mind numbing, you yeah. know. And that was all over. It took about a year or so. And honestly, by that point, we were planning to move to Prague. Sure. Um, by the t- by the time like I got everything worked out there, <laughs> and seeing the counselor was helped, but it was still a very depressing time in my life. You know, I was like just rough. Like everything was every day was rough. Like you know, I always felt isolated and alone, and I was alone because I was in Wichita Falls, and there was no people there my age. Like there were very few people there my age. You know, who didn't want to do something other than get in a truck with big wheels and drive around in a mud pit, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's true, though. Like, that's right, just what people right. did. Right. And, and that sounds funny, but that's what people did. And, and that wasn't interesting to me. Like, I, you know, I wanted to read and listen to music and, 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 and do things that were interesting, like, interesting to me, you know? And, um, yeah. But I'll, uh, to go back in time, though, like I, w- I was in two bands over, the, over, over this over the period that we've already covered. I was in a punk band at the end of high school um, with Justin and then Stuart and a couple other people. And then later on, Stuart and his wife and I f- uh, formed a band in this time period after um, after college, before we went to Prague. Um, uh, the three of us, and it was kind of just like a poppy, like, like a catchy little, little, little folkish type band, you know? Um, but yeah, so... So by the time I got everything, all the medications, everything figured out, we were going to Prague, and I brought medication with me to Prague, but I didn't end up taking it. Like it just ran out, and I didn't end up needing it because just all those triggers were just gone, right? Because you weren't surrounded by right. Like even at that point, I didn't understand triggers. Triggers of only you know my most 
about 10 years ago, I thought I started therapy again with a, with a cognitive, with a, uh, a therapist that uses cognitive behavioral therapy. And that's when we started talking about triggers. And that's what really, like, really helped me mentally to get over this kind of stuff. You know, it still bothers me, obviously. And the medications help a ton, obviously. But, but I, didn't know what, I didn't know about triggers back then, right? And so I was, when I was removed from that culture that we grew up in, all the triggers are removed, yeah. right? And so I kind of just made a deal with God slash myself at that time. Like, I'm just going to not think about this for a while. Like, I need to not be obsessed with dying all the time. And if I'm believing correctly all the time, because, you know, and so I was like, I'm just not going to think about it. Like, I, I can't, like, it's going to kill me. Like, right. like, I'm not like, I'm just going to go have sex and like, and drink and smoke and do drugs. Like, I just like, it's going to kill me. Yeah. Just, just thinking about this. Right. You know, fear of it. Yeah. Like, and by the way, I say, I know you at the time, you were not doing those things. Right. No. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it's not like you went off the deep end. It was more just like, I need to live life normally, right, but not normal be overwhelmed life. by this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's where I, that's, that's where that, so I did that, you know, and then when I came back from Prague, you know, I kind of kind of re- reconstruction like you know there's a big thing today called deconstruction right which i don't think i ever uh, and i definitely i definitely did go through deconstruction type things you know because i went came back i went back to church a little bit and there was definitely this it was a, it was a hard period like it was it was it was really rough i mean because and in some ways i did deconstruct you know but there was also a it was more of a reconstruction of myself right it was more just like taking what i could what i could really put my like put my finger on not just not faith but like say this is real right and so i had to like rebuild who i was as a person (laughs) essentially and say you know and 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 when i did that there were still lots of like like i remember like driving around and like just sobbing because I was like like I didn't understand where God was mm. you know yeah and like like crying out to like God and being like where the hell are you in all this you know and and um it's like but I didn't approach it from a deconstruction mindset I approached it from a reconstruction mindset right of like just building back who I am on solid foundations and over time, I just found that 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 faith didn't fit into any of those solid foundations, you know, and that there were other there were other things that worked better, you know, as 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 foundations. And, and that sounds really cheap, you know, but it's not like this was hard. This yeah, was so hard. Right. Like, I mean, like, like, and it wasn't as hard necessarily as going through the feeling like I'm going to die every day, right? But, but it was, it was, it was, it was exhausting and it was, it was painful and it was, you know, but at least it felt like I was getting somewhere this time, you know, so that made it worth it. Yeah. And, and so that's, you know, I have a hard time saying like, this is when I lost my faith. It's just that I had to rebuild myself as a person. And, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, probably a, a, an apocryphal saying by a scientist from, from the uh, from the Renaissance era, you know, someone asked him, where is God in your theories? And he says, you know, I, I had no need for that hypothesis. Hmm. And that's kind of, that, that's kind of exactly what I've found. That's, that's what I, 
that that's my lived experience. You know, that's that's me calling out for God and finding that in the end, I had no need for that hypothesis. Yeah. So that's kind of my journey away from faith, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? When did it, when did all the, should, yeah. Do you want to talk about, did something happen in college? Or what, 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 what was your first? Uh... Well, before I say that, I want to just reflect. Um, it's interesting because I think both of us, we're not having the standard college experience. And most people talk about college and like, I partied. I was just like, no. nope, not doing that. Like, I think I, I, I worked my ass off and I had a lot of anxiety. That right. was my entire college experience. Yeah, I uh, didn't have share your anxiety, but definitely was not partying or doing that stuff. You know, I was, I mean, we were part of the same church for the first part of college. Mm-hmm. I was part of a church. I went on like a couple mission trips. Um, you know, one for like most of one summer doing all that stuff. And a couple of things happened during college. One, I got like more religious, if you can mm-hmm. believe it, and got into like charismatic Christianity. So like, you know, praying for healing, prophecy, speaking in tongues, yeah, all we didn't that even stuff. Talk about the, I didn't even talk about the whole... Uh, what what's it, what's the high hop thing? The whole international house of prayer thing, right? Like, like I didn't even go into that. Yeah, holy shit, I missed that. Yeah. So like I will, <laughs> we can talk about that. So I, you know, get this right. So between my junior and senior years of college, that whole summer, I went to the international house of prayer in Kansas City. This is two thousand two, and did this thing called Fire in the Night. That was like a is it eight weeks? I, I don't know. Something like that long. They called it an internship. We're from like midnight to six every night, except for one night off a week. We were like praying in the prayer room there. And I had this, so I had this crazy flip schedule and was like, you know, completely like bought into and, you know, just really into God mm-hmm. and just that whole movement. Um, and so really, really got into it. But and in some ways, some of that stuff was crazy, and some of the stuff I don't is is not good looking back on it. But in the, in the same sense, some of that I how do I say it? I don't look back at some of it. I don't have bad memories of because I think at least some of their message there was like God is love. Mm-hmm. Like they pushed that a lot, and I did appreciate that. Um, not that I always grew up with a judgmental God, but that was definitely part of the message growing up. Yeah. And so something that was like kind of the foundation of like the love of God was good and was an improvement yeah. for me, for sure. Um, but funny enough, through that, one of the interesting things about that is um, the Iraq War mm-hmm. starts, well, it really starts building that fall and we don't invade till early 2003 yeah but i remember like this time 2003 yeah, yeah i remember the lead up to it you know 9 11 had happened all that stuff uh i remember one of kind of the key people associated with that world at the time um was kind of having doubts and was saying like i don't you know basically like i don't think we should invade iraq and everything we're like the rest of the christian world this should sound familiar because mm-hmm. it's happened a lot since then was like you know on board we gotta invade iraq blah 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 and i remember saying that really 
that was one of the first cracks in everything for me. And I remember him being like, huh. And I started looking into it more on my own um, and was like, this doesn't really make any sense. And I really, as far as I remember, was one of the only people that was kind of like, I don't think we should invade Iraq like <laughs> yeah. in that spring because I was definitely not in that. I'm sure if I'd stepped outside of my world, there were plenty. Right. But in my little evangelical Christian world, nobody was saying that. But by the time I looked into it and saw all of that, I was kind of like, you know, I don't think this is right. And that helped open up. You know, I learned about groups like Sojourners and kind of more evangelical groups that were social justice mm. and I, had, I guess I was getting a bigger worldview, even though it was still in Christianity, was getting a, a bigger view of things like that. And that really helped me to feel a little less crazy finding other people out there that were like, yes, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, all this, but I don't think we should be invading other countries right. and doing this. And that that really helped. And I think also politically, I started going the other direction because I grew up very, you know, kind of right wing Republican, mm -hmm. just like everyone else. Um, I remember in 2004 for president, I uh, couldn't yet bring myself to vote for John Kerry. That seemed like a step too right. far, but I couldn't bring myself to vote for Bush and continue a war I didn't believe in. So I remember I voted for, I wrote in my friend's dad, <laughs> <laughs> who was a chaplain yeah. at the time for yeah, president I, and cast a protest vote. I, vote, I think I voted libertarian that, that election. Yeah, I, yeah, I just, you know, there was a shift then and I was seeing things differently. And, you know, a little bit like you, we moved to Prague in 2006 and taught English. And I was definitely more, I got plugged in with a church there when we got there and did that for a while. And then just, it was kind of like, eh, this isn't really me. Yeah. I'm also not, like you said, I'm not in a culture where anybody expects that of me. Right. I also remember one time I was meeting with the pastor then like having lunch. And I remember telling him about all this cool stuff we were doing, like when we were DJing at that club and all this stuff. And I remember I saying all this and then literally like the next, it felt like at least the next sentence, he was like, well, what are you doing for ministry here? You need to be involved in some type of ministry. And I remember being kind of like, did you not just hear everything I was telling you? Like, yeah. isn't that kind of a ministry? Like yeah. me being involved in these things and being a light where I am and stuff. And I just, yeah. I'll never forget that moment of just being like, you're not listening I don't feel like you're listening to me and you're yeah. not hearing what I'm saying. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm leaving a lot of things out on this journey, sure, but, yeah. but definitely that experience and not having any expectations on me and being in a completely new place really made me kind of like, huh, think about things in a new way. And when I came back to the States, I did kind of like you, I lived back in my hometown for a year while I was kind of getting my act together and going to grad, applying to grad schools and stuff. But and I think I went to church with my parents some, but I, you know, I'd been out for a while. I didn't, a lot of my friends weren't there or whatever. Like it just wasn't, I was also taking a bunch of undergrad classes, trying to get credit. So oh, I was yeah. studying a lot. So it, it just wasn't the same thing. And, and then slowly just kind of over time as I moved and went to grad school and then moved a few other places, it just was like. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't really need this. I don't think this is really helping me. This is not yeah. really my thing. I'm, yeah. yeah. And that's a big part of my experience too, is like, as I laid it aside, I was like, this life just makes more sense. Like, mm -hmm. like I hate to say that, but when you're, because that sounds so simple, right? But it's, it's not simple. When you're in the Christian world, it's so designed around itself. 
that has an inside answer for everything, right? Until you start having problems like I had, right? right. And then th- there's no answers for it. And there's cracks start to evolve. Yeah. And as I got outside of it, I was like, oh, that's just its own thing. Like, that's just a little bubble that those people live in, you know? And that when you get outside of that, there's other, like, the world is big and, and like, <laughs> and fulfilling. And, 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 you know, there's, like, that's, that's limiting, right? And I'll say that in like a, in like a, you know, I don't, I don't know how to say this exactly. I, I guess I'm going to move on to my next thing I wanted to say to you, which was you and I have only recently talked about this, even over, you know, even though I think we probably had a very similar time frame for our, for our deconversions. When I first, de- as I was deconverting, I was very like, I don't, I'm, I didn't talk to anyone about it, not because I didn't want to face it, but because I'm like, I don't need to poison anyone else with this. Mm. Like I like this is, you know, like I don't I don't want to bring like I'm not trying to deconvert anyone else. Right. right? Like I'm yeah. just this is where I am and this is where everything has led me. I've followed every bit of truth that I can pick. Right. And not say that I'm perfect or anything, but like I've just I've tried to follow the truth and this is where I've arrived, but I don't want to take that I don't want to take someone else's faith away from them. Having this conversation with them, sure, you know, like, yeah. Like I don't want to, I don't want to poison the well or, or be, you know, whatever this, right? So yeah. So I just kept it to myself, honestly, for a decade more. Yeah, yeah. I remember talking to you a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, I remember you gave me a book by that guy Dan Barker that I read that I really oh, yeah. thought was um was pretty good. Um. And I was, yeah, I think I was similar. I was starting to read books by like Bart Ehrman and people like that. Oh, and like yeah. trying to get a sense of what I believed. And Oh, yeah. And as I was trying to put my everything back together, because I, I originally, my original intention was to put my faith back together, right? Sure. But I, I read the Bible like cover to cover twice. I started studying like just out of curiosity. I started studying like other, other like Egyptian mythology and stuff. I'm like, holy crap. Like this is. This is a very clearly more developed version of like you can see where you can start to see where like Jewish mythology starts like borrowing and building their own mythology out of the people who are crossing through the Levant, you know, like <laughs> you know, and and it, like you're like okay, well this is doesn't make any sense. Like why would why would why would the true thing be little things borrowed from big cultures? You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that make more sense in their own original place than they do in the in the Jewish mythology, right? And so, anyways, that's there's it's a it's a it's a really complicated story, obviously. <laughs> and like the the Iraq War was a big turning point for me too, but that was more of a that was almost more of a political turning point for me. I felt I felt that war really because I was I was in um I was in an internship that mm-hmm. that that spring semester. I remember sitting in the offices of the architecture firm and like in the break room watching the TV as as like the the uh, what what did George Bush call the uh, our bombings at first? You know. The, mm, I don't know. Yeah, Sorry, something stupid. You know, where we were going to bomb the shit out of them and, and, yeah. and make them pay for everything they'd ever done. Which, by the way, was a literal sermon in my parents' church that I went to for when, when, that, at, that period, at that point. Well, I think that brings up an important point because you said maybe just more political, but that's the thing. They were so intertwined. Correct. Like, yes. oh, yeah. Religion yes. and politics. And I think. Which started pushing me out of the church, out of that church. Right. right? Uh, yeah. When you, because here's the thing when you start to realize, like, wait a minute, 
Pastor's wrong about the Iraq War. Right. So what the, else is the, Pastor wrong about? The Pastor <laughs> celebrating the mother of all bombs is not like the the best look for 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 well, a Pastor. And that, right? and that will definitely quickly make you start to question lots of other things when yeah. you realize, like, yeah, murdering Arabs is not the most. Yeah, it's just it, it's a bad look. Yeah, it, it, you, <laughs> which is why I tried other churches when I came back from 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 college. You know, sure. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I remember sitting in church a lot and just being like. There's whole there's whole stories to go through. Yeah, no, and I mean, you had a pastor. I don't remember who's still at that time. Who was? I mean, I'm just to say he's a real asshole, yeah. and I mean, still is. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I can't even imagine adding that onto it. But yeah, it's I don't know. It's just I, it's hard if you didn't grow up in it to understand how much politics was combined with religion and i know we see that now with trump yes. but even back then they were a little bit inseparable yeah and a lot of people are like well i'm not going to tell you who to vote for but and then basically yeah. they go through and tell you who to vote exactly. for. Yeah. Yeah. you know we don't want to be murdering babies or whatever yeah. um and so it yeah Speaking of, did you ever go back and research what ihop was doing in africa at that time period that we were involved there no i did not but i can guess yeah, they 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 pushed a lot of like regimes that were, and they and what they put those push those regimes to do was was to be very, very authoritarian and very anti LGBT, like like to the point of like let's go out and kill some LGBT people, you know, like right, like they're just uh, what a disaster. I know. Yeah. Yeah. God is love. I know. <laughs> but only for some people. For for the right people. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. I think the thing throughout all this that I'm most grateful for was being lucky enough to move and just getting a break from all this and being able to figure things out on my own really helped a lot. It's like when we were talking to Dan and Tara on that episode and I kind of asked him about like, not having these beliefs anymore, but living in the same town, mm. I I kind of wonder if I had stayed in the same town where I would be on all this yeah. because it it really traps you a lot more. I'm not sure that I would be alive. Like literally, I don't know that I would be alive. Like if I had stayed in Wichita Falls, yeah. if we hadn't gone to Prague, I don't know that I would be alive. Wow. Like, it, yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah, you so many expectations on you, and that culture is so strong. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to step out of it, and so I really want to applaud people who are able to kind of like shake this stuff off, but still be where they grew up. And still, you know, it's because it's tougher to have to answer those people and talk to those yeah, people yeah. and feel like you're letting people down, but you know, yeah. you've got to figure yourself out. Yeah. yeah. When you said, you know, about your experience in Prague, talking to that pastor, I had a very similar experience before we went to Prague, which like, I would be like, literally I, it would be like in the YMCA with like, you know, it's me and like a bunch of old guys, right? Like right. gray hair people, you know? <laughs> and I knew them all, you know, and we'd be talking, they're like, and you're like, oh, you're moving to Prague, huh? Like, yeah, I am. They're like, what, what mission group are you going with? And I tell them, you know, we're not, we're just going, you know, as, as people. And their response wasn't that they disapproved of that. Their response was that they didn't understand that. Right. Like they were confused that she would leave the United States for a reason other than to do missions, other than to go save the barbarians. Yeah. You know? And it was, that was also eye-opening to me, was like just the the way that 
the people that we grew up around looked at the world outside. Even though the Czech Republic is like, I never had any culture shock there. Sure, yeah. (laughs) That's not that different than our culture. Right. You know, but like, they just couldn't understand why you would leave the United States other than to than to get people saved, you know, or or to make people more like us, basically. So we're leaving a ton out. Yes, we are. But let's talk more about current day and doing this podcast. Because for me, I feel like this is maybe the first time that I could do this. Mm -hmm. And I guess what I'm trying to say is I have enough distance between the time when I kind of, to use the buzzword, deconstructed, Mm -hmm. and now that I am kind of feel healthy enough to say, yeah, I can look back at this and point out the goods, because there's a lot of goods in a lot of this music Mm -hmm. that we cover that I still really like, but there's also a lot of, like, to be honest, fucked up stuff that I didn't see at the time and have needed enough distance to kind of pull back and be like, oh, huh. And I, I kind of feel like we're unraveling stuff that we didn't really even know was very slow there. Yeah. And I don't, I think I'm seeing it for both of us. I don't even think we had that expectation going into this. I think we no. just thought more nostalgia, like this would be fun to talk about. I, mean, I, I to, a little, to a certain extent, I wanted to talk about the culture, you know, and its effects on us, but I didn't think it would be what we're doing. Right. I you think know? we've just, <laughs> as we've gone through, it's just been hard not to kind of pull at some of these strings that yeah. are there and then be like, Whoa. And like, there's also just a lot of things that, like, I think we've gone through personally, probably, that we don't bring entirely to the podcast, you know, where, like, because I've done a ton of research, and I'm still trying to figure out how to, how to even to do research on, uh, I mentioned this the other day, on, like, the effects of, of reformed theology, Calvinism, that kind of thing, you know, on teenagers growing up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I can't, I have not yet come to grips with how that shaped me as a person you know like like working to earn validation as a person i think is a huge part of what that did to me you know and like to some extent you can't completely i can't completely complain about it because like it did like i've accomplished a lot because of that but it was also very painful to accomplish all those things you know like i'm not in a good way either like yeah right like because i always felt like i wasn't good enough you know um but yeah so yeah there's a lot that i I, that we have talked about and i think there's a lot that we're going to talk about that we're still searching through and trying to figure out you know there i mean one the first thing that we ran into was probably the the misogyny yeah that i think neither well of course we're white males right right? we Had no idea at the time, but now that we yeah, I think, have our I, eyes opened a little bit. Right. I think I vaguely knew it was there, you know, and I think I vaguely knew that we would talk about it, but I didn't know how ubiquitous it would be to the point that we just kind of like don't even mention it sometimes now. Yeah. It's just, you know, yeah. Cause it's, cause we can't talk about it again. Right. <laughs> um, or how just overwhelming it is, you know, and I think I mentioned to Jay, you know, especially with that incident with the girlfriend who faked a uh, pregnancy like it's 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 only because of strong women in my life good 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 friends that i've had over the years that i didn't end up like an incel or something like that you know yeah <laughs> that i have the perspective that i have today and even then i'm i'm always behind you know i'm no i'm, I'm not 
where I need to be, you know, <laughs> but just the massage, like there's so much that could push you in, even in just in these seemingly, you know, anodyne lyrics that is incredibly misogynistic, incredibly, I don't want to say sexist, but it's like, it's, it's, it is, it, it puts women in a place that doesn't let them not just be equal, but like doesn't let them interact on the same consciousness level or whatever to, to men, you know? It's, it's such a weird thing looking back at the music uh, uh, that we're covering this podcast because, I mean, we call it Your Music Saved Us, right? On the one hand, I am so grateful to the exposure I got mm -hmm. to so many different sounds and styles of stuff. Like, infinitely grateful that I was able to hear yes. these styles, whether it's punk rock, whether it's hardcore, whether it's just weird stuff like the Danielson family that, like, where the hell else are you going to hear that kind of stuff and have exposure to that? Yeah. At that age, especially again, where we were, where there's no record stores, there's no music scene. It's just, that's it. And so we both still to this day love music. And so I'm so grateful that I've like had my world opened up at a young age like that because of it all. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's amazing as we're going through this, how many of these albums though lyrically and thematically are just right in step with that evangelical yes. culture yeah. musically they may be pushing the boundaries a little bit and really sound different but man and not all there are exceptions and we're definitely talking about that on the podcast but yeah. god some of these that i used to think were a little bit edgier man and now we go back and look at the lyrics i'm like oh this is exactly that culture that yeah. i thought we were escaping from by listening to this music but man no just slightly different sound but yeah. and it, it's reminded me of like how judgmental i was back then you know especially like you know some of like the like the pocket change album you know and like and we i think we barely scratched the surface of the surface of this honestly which is the which is the very judgmental like why aren't you a better christian kind, mm -hmm. of, kind of lyrics you know, i think as we get into more punk i think we're going to see more of that and you know, I think that has, I think that exists a lot in the Tooth and No bands, but I think it also, we will see it in, 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 you know, like, like some Johnny Respect stuff. And we're, we're, we're definitely seeing Goaty Hook. Um, not so much MXPX, probably. But, but yeah, I think there's just a lot of like judgmentalism, like a lot of like, why aren't you doing better? You know, which maybe, you know, even at the time, you know, maybe has like a why I'm also why am I not doing better type of thing, you know, but that's not what the lyrics say, you know? Yeah. And so even if the, if that was written from a, like also me type of type of perspective, think about being a teenager, listening to that, you know, and taking that and be like, you know what? I'm not, man, man, I am a piece of shit, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, it's just, which also gets to a whole other psychological environment that we try to explore. Though I think we are still searching for, how to explore it, which is that all of these bands, because they were published by in the Christian market, had this like sense of authority to them, mm, right? Right. And so we listen to them as leaders, and and not just as fellow Christians, but as 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 flag bearers, you know, and as 
And there's people out there on the front lines of doing the right thing, you know? And it it definitely wasn't fair to the and people in these bands, fair. you know, especially when we've talked to some of them now, like they had massive expectations put on them that yes. there's just no way they could fulfill. And Correct. it's not always, in fact, most of the time it's not their fault, but you're right because it's in that realm, because it's not just like some random punk band, but because it's a Christian punk band, right. suddenly there's all these expectations put on them and you view what they say and do as like gospel truth. Yeah. And that's really problematic. Yeah. You know, even when they're doing their best and doing great <laughs> things. Yeah. It's just, not a good thing. I think all kids at that age are looking for someone to look up to. And so right. this just automatically like, whoop, you know, kind of right. fell into place and made sense. Yeah. It's just, a, it's just a weird combination of, of culture market and developmental psychology. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's like it or not, it is the environment that we ended up growing up in and it is, you know, I'm sure it was exhausting and for the bands and it was shaping for us and for the, for good or bad. Yeah. 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 And I think the thing we're learning from doing this and meeting people, both listening to the podcast and people in bands and, and then seeing the kind of the world that's developing right now around deconstruction, which I'm super happy about and grateful for is there are thousands of people like us. Oh, I yeah. think we thought, yeah, I think I like to think that like it's really unique and have this thing, but like no, there were like thousands and tens of thousands, probably maybe hundreds of thousands of people that were kind of having similar experiences yeah. all across the country, growing up in this realm. Um, yeah. In a lot of people now trying to kind of shake it off a little bit. Yeah. So I agree. Let's uh, let's do a fun a fun thing here and take me from. Your childhood through even today, if you want to, of like some bands that changed the way that you thought about music. Oh, damn. Okay, this is off the cuff, everyone. So I haven't prepared. I might change it if I had more time to think about it. But yes, okay. So... Early on, I remember even listening to stuff like Salty, the singing songbook. Did you listen to that ever? No. Okay, you must have missed out on that. Um, So churchy stuff all the way through. I think some of the early ones that kind of changed things a little bit. um, I really remember liking the Newsboys early on and feeling like this is a little bit I mean, this is like 12-year-old Jay. This yeah. is a little bit different. Like, not ashamed and going public and those albums. This is really catchy, but it seems a little edgy. That kind of thing. I think Poor Old Lou definitely was like a kind of a cornerstone band for me. Um, of this is a new thing. This is This seems more legit. This opens it up. Definitely... I talked about it a minute ago, but definitely when I got that Mineral album, that was like, that. I mean, I still love that album. That was very much like completely different world. And it connected so much lyrically with what I was feeling at the time, this like lost Christian kid basically trying to figure his world out. But also just musically, because, you know, I'm again, I'm a teenage kid listening to like emo music. So that was like perfect connection. 
I would probably say that Operation Ivy album as well. Yeah. Uh, just so strong. You know, in, in the Christian world, it's hard because now some seem more important than they did back then. And some back then seemed, you know, really, really important. But I think some of the stuff we talked about, I mean, MXPX was, was really big for a while. Who else really changed the shape? Pedro the Lion, we have yeah, not talked about, but that's, that, that's going to be a big one. And that's going to be a big one all the way through. I mean, I just yeah. was talking to you about his newest album. That seems so honest. I love the sound of the music, but it just seems so honest. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to find a friend was, was very much keyed into where I was in life when I got it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was really speaking to me. Um, yeah, and by the time I entered college, we were both more getting into like emo stuff. And I'm trying to think of all those albums we liked at the time, which ones were like really big that really shifted stuff i really liked that braid album frame and canvas mm-hmm. that was probably a pretty pretty big one for just just their sound was for me pretty different than the stuff i was listening to and the yeah. time changes and all that stuff yeah i'm trying to think who else after that would have been really big you know we both got into arcade fire quite a bit and our a little bit after that time period when they came out i remember we saw them live together that summer slash fall mm-hmm. um that was a pretty big band for me for a while um me without you we haven't talked about but that was one that it's a little bit beyond the time frame or stuff but that's one that still to this day i connected with a lot both lyrically and just musically really liked a lot um there's been lots of others but i think if i had any two that i still carry through from that time period it's me without you and pedro blind slash david bazan um yeah i'm probably you're gonna say stuff and i'm gonna be like oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah but i would (laughs) say just off the top of my head that's for me, that's it. What about you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to, th- this is going to be like things that kind of literally change, like they kind of change me in directions, mm, right? Okay. And so, of course, I'm going to start with, with Michael Jackson, because that's what I grew up listening to with my dad. Even though, But I also listened to, grew up listening to like Boston and stuff with them, which I really liked. Not so much Led Zeppelin or Creed's Clear Warrior Rock. But okay. Um, and then of course I have the, you know, even though there's a bunch of big bands in there that started changing things, what the really big changer was, of course, Plank Eye. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I encountered Plank Eye, it was a big shift in how I understood music and, and, and just, just art, honestly. Um, and then I think the next big shift for me in high school was honestly Five Iron Frenzy, even though they're not one of my favorite bands, you know, but they kind of, I'm skipping over my introduction to punk because what Five Iron Frenzy did is say, okay, punk, but also, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, but also, and part of that, but also was also these very intelligent and 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 socially aware lyrics, you know. I, even though I couldn't have said that at the time, you know, but I, I, th- their lyrics were very meaning. They meant a lot to me at the time, and and were were very important for for my development. And then I, I, you know, I think you know probably Cosmos Express probably really opened me up more to the pop side of things, 
And then after that, I'm going to skip to freshman year of college. And the the band that like just really like like almost hurt my brain when I when I first encountered them was Just Brazil. Mm, right. Um, and then quickly followed up by like you know Promise Ring and 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 things like that that still remain one of my favorites. And then I think the next thing is is as as minor as it might seem as an album is is Jazz Tunes of the Medicine. Mm, it's kind good. of a culmination of like everything that had gone on in the last five years of music, you know, kind of in this perfect little package of of you know layered guitars and 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 all the beautiful things that have been happening in emo up to that point, you know, with the, with yeah, anyways. Um and then of course became Arcade Fire, which as simple as that first album is, the the um, as simple as Funeral is, was kind of I think changed everyone a little yeah, bit, you know, yeah. <laughs> kind of, because it's it's so simple but so heartfelt and so so in a, in its time, you know. And the other thing that really changed me at that time was was uh, was uh, um, Fills by Animal Collective. Mm. Really changed like that. Really hit the pop side of me as well, and that was quickly followed by. Um, architecture Helsinki, and the, there was another um, Totally Craft album at that time, and and which has really pushed me a lot in into where I am today, where I still appreciate a lot of pop stuff. I still listen to a lot of. I mean, Totally Craft is still one of my favorite bands, as, as well as Promise Ring, who ended up just being a pop band. Yeah. You know, even though they kind of started off as an emo band, where that's how people looked at them. They were always just a pop band, you know. Um, and so, you know, and then in, in the current days, it's a little harder, you know, because it's not hard to break my brain again these days, you know. But there's still things, you know, like like introduction to uh, My Bloody Valentine with uh, with um, shoegaze and stuff like that, you know. But I would also say um, uh, a little bit of introduction to like rap type stuff with Tribe Called Quest, you know, has really changed kind of how I see how music is put together. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So I think that's. I thought of a couple others while you were talking. Yeah. Um. Like I, I was very late to the game, but didn't discover the Pixies until freshman oh, year. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I think I we mean, both got it. Yeah, did. the freshman year is just huge. Yeah. Right? I mean, and we yeah. both got we got a hold of Doolittle, and I think jeez. both of us were like, "Oh yeah. my god, how do we not know about yeah. this?" You yeah. know, and it was years old at the time, but oh, it, it was, was I don't know, twelve years old, ten years, 10 something years, close years to that. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember exactly when it came out, but yeah. Um, that was a real big one. Another one that I got in high school because I was, you know, reading enough magazines and following, but didn't really appreciate till later was just Fugazi, um, that really over time has really grown with me and I still really appreciate a lot and, uh, you know, I think they're just phenomenal. And I'm thinking of other bands that like you introduced me to at some of those times, like I think I was introduced to Wolf Parade probably through you. I remember you liked the Hold Steady when they before they were before they were kind of the hot thing, right? Yeah, we we both definitely that Separation Sunday album. We listened to that a lot, you know. And so, yeah, good memories of a lot of stuff. And I think both you and I still are always looking for new music. We're just probably at the age we don't, yeah, yeah, less time. We don't always know where to go. Um, But yeah. We're still into stuff. We're still yeah. trying, and uh, I, I do a lot of like explorations of the past now too. You know, the Kinks are a huge band for me, right? You know, they've really they've really like solidified my understanding of like early rock and roll and pop. You know, and, you know, Beatles going on there with it, but I'm partial to the Kinks on that side. 
Yeah. So I mean, yeah, there's we could, we could endlessly go on here, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's a pretty good foundation of musical taste there. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think we're hoping for the podcast to continue to cover. There's plenty of albums that we haven't even touched on. <laughs> oh and, yeah. And Coach and I are kind of mixed sometimes when we decide which one to cover next because there's some that we still really really like. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's hard to be super objective about those. Right. And, you know, and there's some that we know we're going to hate, but we think lyrically or thematically there's some stuff to really dig it's into. important things to cover, yeah. Yeah, and so it, I know we seem like we're all over the place sometimes, but that's why it's because <laughs> right, there's yeah. just different aspects we want to touch on. We were literally jumping around trying to, like, yeah, mm-hmm. cover Keep things that on our mind at the time, yeah. Well, I think this was a good conversation. Yeah, I too. hope everyone else enjoyed it. And uh, I think we went longer than we thought we would. So. I think so, yeah. An hour and 40 right now. Well, should we wrap up? Yeah. We think what we're doing next time, if we can put up with it, uh huh, is <laughs> Stephen Kerr's Chapman. Yes, the Great Adventure. The Great Adventure. Is that yeah. what the album's called? Yeah. yeah. Um, which I'm going to venture to say neither of us have listened to in close to thirty years Not since 1996, probably. So this will be interesting. Number yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So brace yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be. Yeah. It's gonna be interesting. <laughs> We forgot to mention Carmen and all this. Oh, well. Yeah. Well, there's so many more, but (laughs) we'll get there. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks.